This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening today. I mean, I don't know if you were prepared for that. They are big shoes. Yes, you're absolutely right. I was not prepared. I had no idea the kind of backlash or ridicule that I would have seen online. It was incredible. It's funny to think now because, you know, nobody talks crap on me anymore. But when I was in the band, that was like the cool thing to do was, oh, bring Johnny back. We hate this new guy. And I had to just not look at the comments. There were so many comments. I just had to be like, all right. I'm not going to look at them. I'm just going to do what I do. And, you know, it is what it is. Dance Gavin Dancer, a Sacramento-based post-hardcore outfit that has shown an unparalleled level of perseverance throughout a tumultuous yet successful career that began in 2005. In a previous episode, we explored the earliest years of the band, fronted by Johnny Craig. After Johnny Craig was ousted from Dance Gavin Dance the first time, And before he would return and be kicked out for a second time, Kurt Travis recorded and released two records with Dance Gavin Dance between 2007 and 2010. The Kurt Travis years of the band leaned on the reliability of principal songwriter and guitarist Will Swan, along with founding drummer Matt Mingus. The band released two records with Travis at the helm, 2008's Self-Titled, also known as Death Star, and 2009's Happiness. Both records feature the contributions of guitarist Zachary Garin, with bass duties split between Eric Lodge and Jason Alice. While the two records were released only one year apart, you could easily find as many differences as you could find similarities between the two. Only self-titled featured screamer John Mess before he temporarily departed the band, with Will Swan taking up unclean vocals and rapping on happiness. Despite the often understated importance of Swan to the ongoing existence of this band, Kurt Travis must be credited for fronting the band at such a turbulent time, as he was tasked with filling the shoes of one of the most effortlessly talented vocalists in the scene in Johnny Craig. Kurt Travis's time in Dance Gavin Dance is profoundly unique amidst the folklore and history of a band that is already described as profoundly unique themselves. Travis's post-Dance Gavin Dance body of work features an innumerate amount of quality musical projects, including A Lot Like Birds, Royal Coda, Gold Necklace, and his own solo career, proving that for Travis, Dance Gavin Dance is merely a footnote in his story. I'm Paul, alongside me is Nick, and today on Violence and Sunshine, we're exploring Dance Gavin Dance, the Kurt Travis years. Well, man, here we are, Dance Gavin Dance, uh, episode two, I guess, or part two, we might call it. Uh, I definitely thought when we did episode one, and we've already covered Emma Rocha as well, that you had a huge crush on Johnny Craig, because we really only covered that Dance Gavin Dance era in our previous episode that was the Johnny Craig era, those albums. But here we are, we're doing Dance Gavin Dance again, and we're now doing the Kurt Travis years, which covers a couple of albums. So I think your crush probably actually lies with the band Dance Gavin Dance, which I think most people would agree 
is a better crush to have than one on Johnny Craig. Well, to quote Johnny Craig, ha ha ha, dance Gavin, dance, episode part two. <laughs> um, terrible in-joke there, but the, the diehards will appreciate it. I do have a crush on dance Gavin, dance, and it was great to do that Johnny Craig episode way back on episode 32 of Violence and Sunshine and kind of be able to, I've referred to it as come out of the closet because this is a band that I've loved and adored very much on my own, you know, for the entirety of their existence. I've kind of been on an island with this one. And so it's nice to be kind of out and proud. They deserve the place they have in my heart. I do find them really special, but I am a diehard fan. And what's going to be great about this episode is to bring together our two perspectives. You know, I've loved this band for 15 years, you being such a good friend of mine. You have been there for the journey. I've dragged you along. You've seen the Kurt Travis version of the band at Soundwave Festival. You've seen the Tillian version of the band many, many years later in a small nightclub in Melbourne. So, you know, you've seen bits and pieces, but you've chosen to continue on on your own indie journey. But, <laughs> but here we are. You know, you've shown an appreciation for who they are, but you aren't a diehard fan knowing their discography in and out the way that I do. So what's it been like this week for you to explore another era of Dance Gavin Dance? Yeah, this week was very different compared to the first episode because not only did I already know that era of Dance Gavin Dance somewhat well, I knew Johnny Craig really well because I'm a big Amorosa fan of his era in that band. So it wasn't, you know, that unusual it wasn't that difficult to listen to those episodes uh it wasn't that difficult to listen to those records because i'd already heard a lot of them before i knew to what to expect with johnny's voice so this week obviously kurt now holds the reins as the front man and i don't know this guy this is a guy i you know don't really know his body of work uh i didn't, didn't really know him as a lead vocalist or how he would step in and obviously you know, the first album, you know, he's got to do here is this self-titled album and he's got to come off the back of Johnny Craig, which is no easy feat for anyone. But my just initial, just first comment I want to say is, I fucking love Kurt Travis, man. I reckon he Ooh. is sick. I reckon he does a stand-up job. I reckon these two albums that we're mainly going to talk about today are awesome. I've really, really enjoyed it, man. I don't know if I've put a little bit of a... A shock to you there, but Kurt is sick. I'm really happy for you, man. That's incredible because while it's not my most favorite, I absolutely see how important it is to this band's rich history and what a volatile time this was. Very much kind of steered through the difficult times by Kurt Travis. And to his credit, he did come after one of the most effortlessly talented voices in the scene and he held his own as best as he could despite incredibly difficult circumstances. So... I'm really happy to hear you liked it, man. It wasn't like instant. I'm not going to say like I put on self-titled instantly opening track down and went, fuck yeah, this is amazing. This guy's sick. Who needs Johnny Craig? It was definitely a, a slight change. Obviously, you're like, ooh, obviously, especially with that first album being similar in music to what they'd already put out previous. You do feel a little bit of... I guess, missing Johnny. And, and I don't think anyone's going to disagree that just for pure singing ability and, and voice that you just want to come back to again and again, Johnny's the superior singer. And I think that's fine. But Kurt is really good, man. And I think especially on these albums, he does a great job. And you also see Will kind of stepping up a bit more too with, with singing more and taking a rain more with screaming more. So I guess Kurt, he kind of just mixes into the band 
better than I thought he was going. He doesn't stand out like a sore thumb or he doesn't stand out like a, a solo shining light like Johnny Craig likes to do on most of his projects. He's very cohesive and he sits in the band well and he just knows what he needs to do and I think he does it very well. That's a great point and maybe that's a point I haven't considered is just how well Kurt Travis weaved into what the rest of the band was doing whereas Johnny Craig and to a lesser extent Tilly and Pearson are these kind of big personalities and kind of have this very unique pop and flair to them whereas Kurt Travis is probably working a little bit harder for it. But let's talk about his contribution to the record because you mentioned Will Swan there. We spoke about it in episode 32, Dance Gavin Dance, the Johnny Craig years episode, about the way that Will Swan backed himself when Johnny Craig was no longer the vocalist of the band. He just went, we're good enough without him, even though he's incredible. We write the music before the singer even touches it, so we're going to keep doing this. And that's what they did. And I do feel that Self-Titled in 2008 is a bit of a natural progression record from Downtown Battle Mountain. It taps into a lot of the similar kind of post-hardcore tropes that the first one did, whilst kind of easing into some of the more experimental elements. I think it's a very cohesive post-hardcore album from start to finish. And the first track, Alex English, which is one of the first songs I ever heard Kurt sing on a YouTube clip that is absolutely still up on YouTube 14 years later. But this is one of the first songs I heard of his. And I think people were surprisingly impressed when he first came. A lot of people were thinking Johnny Cray is going to be really hard to replace. And you go back and watch those videos. Just look them up on YouTube. It's like Dance Gavin Dance, 24th of the 2nd, 2008. Kurt's first shows and you can find like seven or eight videos and he sounds really really good so it's not really a shock that he was the man to replace Johnny Craig he could really do it early on you jump from Alex English the first track to me and Zoloft get along just fine which is absolutely one of my favorite dance Gavin dance songs I'm just going to play a little clip of that now Now, some of those big, long notes, those big, high notes would eventually be a bit of Kurt Travis's undoing in a live sense. But you can hear someone taking the reins from Johnny Craig and doing their own thing on these songs. I really, really love that song. It's a shame because this record features John Mess recorded, but very soon after the recording of it, he actually left the band, leaving Will Swan to step up. So for the live circuit of this, we never actually really saw John Mess do any of these vocals until later when he came back. So it was kind of a very unique record, again, for a very unique band because they'd put this thing out that then you didn't even get to see the right live version of. But straight after Zoloft, you've got Robot with a Human Hair Part 3. I love this song, but there are long notes in there that are not a Johnny Craig impersonation, and they are Kurt Travis's natural range. And you can really, really see his talent shining through on this record. There isn't a song on it I don't like. I don't love Uneasy Hearts Way the most as much as the average fan does, but having seen Dance Gavin Dance so much, they still play it, and I'm a little bit over it. I also think the rock-solid skit is a little cringy. But, man, <laughs> I love this record. It's got an incredibly strong back end. You know, most records kind of a top-heavy. This has some of its best songs at the back of it. People You Know is an incredibly angsty, John Mess-only song, and one that really spoke to me at the time. You know, loyalty, honesty, trust, respect humility sincerity were also full of fucking shit he says and and you know being like being young i kind of that hit me i'm like yeah fuck i'm 
watching too much Entourage and faking this shit. I'm going to be a real guy. But 10 out of 10 for this record, I absolutely adore self-titled, also known as Death Star. That blast came from the Death Star. That thing's operational. Yeah, man. It, I, I have... Uh, I have a similar enjoyment of it, but this is where I guess we get slightly different in like your, you know, some 15 year love affair and my one week enjoyment of listening to it. Because even just a couple of things you mentioned there, so Uneasy Hearts Way the Most, I reckon it's a fucking amazing track. And obviously for me, I have not heard it a hundred times. Yeah. I've only heard it a handful of times. And like Nick Newsham's, I don't quite know how to say his name, Nick Newsham, the guest vocalist on that song. His parts are sick. I don't know that dude at all. I don't know his other band. He's the singer of Gatsby's American Dream. That's the and one. he actually, I believe, submitted demos to Dance Gavin Dance to try and be their vocalist after Johnny left. And this was the the compromise. Like, hey, you're not the right guy for the job, but come do this track. Yeah, agree. Not the right man for the job, but love his guest vocals on that song. I think he and Kurt work really, really well. So absolutely love that song. And that kind of like outro John Mess uh poetry screaming thing you just mentioned there that's the stuff that's cringy for me that's the stuff that now as like a a guy in my mid-30s i just found a really annoying to listen to and i just want to fucking skip it but as a whole man really enjoyed the album it's it's although similar in music to the the johnny craig albums um they're still always pushing the boundaries and always trying new things you know the song burning down the nicotine amore or have you say it, I'm going to probably get some Amour. of these wrong. Armoire. Armoire, that's it. Um, <laughs> like, man, that's got like Paramore-esque sounding times in it for sure. And something I never thought I'd really hear or associate with Dance Gavin Dance. And then there's just the constant fast kind of snare with the scatty guitar that just doesn't quit that's a real kind of like hallmark of that dance gavin dance sound where the snare is the snare is like its own instrument even separate from the drums like he's just such a good drummer and his snare work is fucking incredible like i really love listening to it i love how punchy and strong it is in the mix on all their albums pretty much but yeah really enjoyed it uh didn't really find there were many weak songs had a good time listening and as a kind of you know newer fan to listening to the stuff i th- I thought actually a very decent transition away from the johnny craig era into an album that musically isn't too dissimilar from what they'd already done uh kurt just fitting in nicely not overstepping his mark not trying to do too much i know you mentioned those high notes or those longer kind of carrying notes maybe something that from what I've heard or read a little bit this week, something that doing live, he kind of struggled with a bit. Um, but having not known that and having not watched a lot of live clips, I, I thought he does a really decent job on the album to have that stuff recorded. And yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed this. I'm not sure I'm giving it a, a 10 out of 10, but uh, probably slightly slightly weaker than the earlier stuff with Johnny Craig, but still a very, very solid album. Whatever. You know, it doesn't really matter right now because... John Mess is a member of the band I love and it has very much become like a fan favorite and a band that has had this much longevity all the members kind of in the end start to get their own little 
boy band section. Like, oh, I'm a Will guy. I'm a Tillian guy. I'm a Matt guy. Like, and, and ultimately that's probably part of it as well. But it did really devastate me at the time when he left the band. You know, to record this album, be 50% of the vocals and then bail. It was a lot to ask of Will Swan to step up and do this. And we'll get to happiness and what he contributed to that within his own right. But to have to cover this guy's vocals and play the guitar he does... I think I knew at the time was already a really bad sign for where the band might be heading. Losing members just the way they did, it shook so many other bands and would have ended so many other bands. But for these guys, they seem to take it as a bit of a challenge and that's full credit to them. One of the things that was really unique on this album that I really loved at the time and still holds up today is the feature with Chino Moreno from Deftones on it. They've got a song called Caviar, which they've never played live, which absolutely devastates me. But I really love the interplay of Kurt's vocals, John's screams, and Chino's very angelic voice. I think it's a really beautiful combination. And I've just got a little clip of that here. With the Kurt Travis era songs, I think there's a sincerity that is completely absent from Johnny Craig's lyricism. And I think there's a vulnerability that Tillian kind of tapped into later, but came long before him. And I think that's really unique. This album to me was very sincere, was a very natural progression from Downtown Battle Mountain, which is my favorite record of Dance Gavin Dances. And so that really connected with me, which I think is part of what didn't connect with happiness. I think I attach myself to, I guess, the angst that's a little bit more present on this record, the sincerity that's there, the kind of seriousness. And that really spoke to me at the time and still does today. So um, you're probably right. I'm getting a little bit like affectionate for it with a 10 out of 10, <laughs> but it does speak to me still. And a big shout out to Mike for getting that record on vinyl for me for my birthday last year. I think on your suggestion. Yeah, yeah, I think we had a bit of a chat about it and he, he floated it by me and even at the time I was like, dude, I don't fucking know one Dance Gavin Dance album from the next, <laughs> but it's got Dance Gavin Dance on it. He will be a very happy man. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're giving all Dance Gavin Dance albums a 10 out of 10 and then some of them are just going to be <laughs> more than 10 out of 10. You, you, you're going to have some higher rankings than that, but they're all obviously, you know, favorites of yours because this band just means so much to you, but... Yeah, it's it's been nice kind of tapping into that world a bit this week beyond that Johnny Craig stuff because that was that was really the only kind of uh, I guess connection we had with the band was being able to talk about you know that Johnny Craig era, listening to those albums together. You would talk about certain songs or, or parts, and I would know what you're talking about, and we could you know have a bit of a chat about Dance Gavin Dance. But then as we got into Kurt Travis era and beyond, I'm falling asleep back then because I didn't know what the fuck you were talking about and never really made any effort to find out. So I've, I've enjoyed kind of the the history uh, lesson a little bit, This just dipping my toe into a little bit more of Dance Gavin Dance. And so far, so good, man. Like I, you know, we've still got another album to talk about, but uh, so far, so good. Absolutely enjoying uh, listening to this band and really fucking love what these guys do. Well, I'm really grateful that you took the time to 
explore this band that I do love so much. You've endured me talking about them for years. You've come along with me. You've smiled and nodded and I appreciate that. But then thank you for digging in deeper and doing this work. Obviously, I've got my love for them. You're a bit of an outsider who has developed a bit of a love for them yourself. So many different perspectives to Dance Gavin Dance fans. You know, they've got nine full length records and an EP that I think most people you speak to that love the band would put in a completely different order to the next person. So we've got a contribution here from a listener, Cameron, who has been very gracious in sharing his thoughts on happiness, which is indeed a record that he loves. So let's hear from Cameron now. What's up? I'm Cameron from San Diego, USA. Uh, I'd say the Kurt Travis era is my favorite. It's just got wild experimentation going on. It's Back in the day, there was a time when, you know, what was popular was sometimes formulaic. And DGD at this point just decided to say, you know, screw all that and sort of embraced their low notoriety at that time. This is them at their least well-known. And so they're like, screw it. We're just going to make whatever we want regardless. And, you know, they explored their roots a lot in the music and it was very expressive and it felt like who they were musically at their core. I feel like it just has so much personality. Kurt's vocals do it's just such a range of genres and emotions that I get from that era, even just Kurt alone at that time. If we look at how much he was able to do, how many different genres he continues to be able to do after like the eight different projects he's been in since then, you know, he's just got that soul, that heart. He could do rough, he could do crazy, groovy, whatever, you know. So, and I feel like that comes across as well in the Kurt era. I think happiness is their masterpiece, as do a lot of people. I think it sounds the most them, the freshest, most organic, the bass is kicking. And yeah, I think Kurt era all the way. He's a superior vocalist, superior era. That's me. Well, yeah, thank you very much for that, Cameron. That's, uh, I don't know what awesome high-def microphone you use, but your voice sounds smooth as hell. Um, so, yeah, there Dulcet we go. Dulcet tones. <laughs> yeah, there we go hearing from a listener who clearly uh, ranks the Kurt Travis era very highly in their enjoyment of this band and, you know, even kind of maybe putting it out there that Happiness is the masterpiece, the standout album from this band. So what does he mean kind of by that, that this is the masterpiece or this is the one that maybe some fans consider true Dance Gavin Dance? It's really interesting because this record came along only a year later. So 2007, 8 and 9 saw full-length Dance Gavin Dance records. They've subsequently switched to two-year album cycles, The Jerks, but these guys pump out tunes. And it was just so crazy that they had gone from 2008's post-hardcore sound, a logical continuation from where they had started with an EP and two full-length records, to this complete experimentally funky but sad record. Like, it was so, so strange. You know, John Mess is gone, so Will Swan steps up to not just live screamed vocals, but also recorded. And we also get the first introduction to his rapping, only on one song, but it was a sign of things to come. So... There's just so much experimentation in this record and it's so unique despite the band as a whole being unique. So it's like, it's like a babushka doll. It's like, it's a unique thing within something that is already greatly unique (laughs) and it just really pops. You know, he spoke about it being the most organic and that's something that I loved about it. I predominantly listened to the instrumental version this week, which you can find of all of Dance Gavin Dance's records have even been mixed and mastered accordingly because they don't have vocals. And I couldn't believe how much it sounded like 
dudes in a room, you know, real drums, real guitar amps, real bass that is incredible on, you know, all these records. But Jason Ellis, who recorded the bass on this, was just sensational. But you've got the band in this way tighter knit group, just the five of them. You've got this funk sound backing this, what is a breakup record, and which I thought was really funny at the time. It was written about Kurt Travis's girlfriend, and by the time that the record came out, they'd gotten back together. So I thought that was a bit awkward. <laughs> but as a whole, I really respect what Cameron has to say, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say as a kind of new Kurt Travis fan. So how's happiness for you? Well, before I give my initial kind of thoughts, how do you think? You know me somewhat and my kind of music taste. Just before I even mention a word about the album do you think i would be a lover a hater or somewhere in the middle man you've become so hard to pick and you know i'm looking at you i'm looking at your face on the screen here and i'm still getting no Old smuggy <laughs> smuggy nick here he is i'm gonna go out on a limb and say you really liked this record man i absolutely love this record yes it is fucking amazing like i honestly think those diehard fans and cameron who we just heard from I think they might be right, man. So far for me, this easily could be my favorite Dance Gavin Dance album, I think. Like, wow. I think I put, even put this above the Johnny Craig stuff. It is just amazing. And I think a lot of it comes from what Cameron was talking about, where this is just them doing their thing. There's no fucking rules. As you said, there's no very definitive genre or sound on this album. It's throwing everything out there. And these guys are incredibly talented. We have not stopped talking about the musicianship of this band is incredible. And it's something that I've probably really started to enjoy and build a bit more of a love for these guys is because I never realized how fucking incredible they were at doing their individual instrument or part or singing style or whatever it wants to be. It is really cool. Like I definitely felt a little bit in self-titles that there's a, you can't help but miss Johnny a little bit because the music is there and you can't help but feel like, mm, I wonder what this song would sound like with Johnny. But on Happiness, I'm not thinking about Johnny one bit because I don't think, not that he wouldn't be able to sing on these songs. The guy can sing on anything. That's fine. But Kurt and Will together as a combo on this fucking album is insane. Like one of the better, you know, combos of two vocalists coming together and just fitting perfectly with each other there's not a weak song man i have absolutely loved it you've made me such a happy man because you know i love this band and this is my least favorite dance, <laughs> dance record and i'm just i'm so stoked because this is truly what i love about this band if you like the screamo stuff have that if you like the pop stuff if you like tillian you like johnny Take your pick and enjoy it because this is the beautiful thing about this band and this is what I love about what Cameron had to say and a couple of our other contributors that we'll hear from later. This record means so much to so many people and as someone who it means almost nothing to. You know, I remember going through a breakup not long after this record. And so this record just pissed me off. Like just all the corny, like, could you stay a little longer? And I'm just like, no, no, she sucks. She's bad for you, man. And so I love the parts of this that are so closely connected to the rest of the band. Whereas I imagine you're sitting in the realm where you're just like, holy shit, this is the best thing they've done. Like, I love the lead single Tree Village, which is the first song, because it sounds like a Dance Gavin Dance song to me. I think it's a really great transition from self-titled to happiness, and it wouldn't have been out of place on self-titled. And then I jump right to the end and I love Powder to the People. Like, 
God, I love this song. <laughs> so I'm going to give people a little flavor of Powder to the People now because there's so much I love about it. There's the disco beat. I just can't get enough of that. That's my favorite beat in all of drumming. It's all I ever do on a drum kit. Then there's the guitars, man. And then you get Will Swan's rapping for the first time in Dance Gavin Dance history. Hell fucking yeah, man. Like, even as my least favorite Dance Gavin Dance record, we can still now bond over this. This is a new road trip record <laughs> for us, man. Absolutely, man. That song, I agree. It's amazing. It's so complex. There is little bits of everything. But I think I've, I've sort of realize maybe for me where some of this love for this album's come from and it's sort of the second point you make there that those guitars and bass that kind of really complex like jazzy scatty kind of music that they're playing is not too dissimilar from some other shit like i don't know if you ever really got into uh foals and the antidotes era album so if people aren't a fan of Foles or don't really know them, go listen to that album and you don't tell me that there aren't some incredibly close similarities between the musicality on Happiness and that album. And two of my other favourite bands at this kind of time, this 07, 08, 09 time, man. Like, Minus the Bear and Dirty Projectors, two of my other real favorite bands who are kind of transition bands that aren't just 100% indie. They're still a little bit raw. They've got some cool shit going on. And their guitar work and bass work at times is very similar as well. So these were like easy kind of draws for me to hear this stuff and then go, fuck, I love this stuff. I love this kind of intricate you know, blues, funky guitar with bass that is actually doing something for once. Like, it's fucking awesome. And the second point, and I would love to know your feeling here because I'm going to mention someone that is very dear to your heart. And I just want to know, on this album especially, I didn't want to say it for self-title because I want to save this point for this album, but do you not agree that at times there are some incredibly close similarities to Circus Survive and Anthony Green? on this album definitely and this is where anthony green's kind of ubiquitous appeal and influence to the scene really comes through like kurt travis has just recently at Swanfest performed seven years with anthony green so there's absolutely a connection there i totally hear the um kind of virtues of circus survive and the strengths of anthony green influencing this era of the band to an extent for sure i just want to play a little bit just the intro of happiness the the title track from this album just the first 10 seconds or so, and you don't tell me that this couldn't sit anywhere on a Circus Survive album. Oh man, that super fast guitar with the drums doing the same tempo, and then that 
piercing, punchy vocal that just like crushes in over the top of it. That is Cirque Survive to a T, man. That Glorious is nosebleed kind of stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. I picked up a lot of that on this album. So it was sort of this coupling of Cirque Survive style, Anthony Green style that I really, really loved. Kind of my nostalgic look back from my emo post-hardcore stuff I was into. And then with some of these newer elements of some of the earlier kind of more indie bands I was getting into with Foles and Minus the Bear and Dirty Projector. So it was just kind of like mashing you're just mashing it now of genres and styles and sounds that i'd already loved and for a band to be able to kind of like bring all that together on an album i just fucking love it man and listening to will take over and take the reins as the lead singer like i'm not gonna say i don't miss john like i think john is a really really cool member in a band and does a does a great job of kind he's kind of like george in alexis on fire hey like, he's this guy that screams, isn't always necessarily the best screamer, but doesn't do too much. Uh, if anything, at times probably could do more, <laughs> but that makes you love them even more because what you get is always really good and you're sort of like waiting for them. You're like, oh, fuck, I can't wait for John to do his bit or I can't wait for George to sing in when it comes to Alexis. And I just like, I do miss him, but for just listening to the album where, you know, you're not worrying as much about, the guy because i think you know john probably more comes to light on the live stage anyway but will does an amazing job man here's someone already who is shredding the lights out on guitar he's also done backing vocals at times on the earlier albums now he's stepping up and being the main kind of screamer slash rapper <laughs> it's fucking sick man like what a what a musician like what an absolute dude we've spoken before in the other dance gavin dance episode episode 32 Will Swan's ability to persevere in spite of hardship is kind of second to none. You know, you lose Johnny Craig, the voice of the scene, don't give a shit, we're going to keep doing it. You lose John Mess, who is clearly an essential member of the band, given the fact that he's back in the band to this day. He replaced him himself. Like, I absolutely love Will Swan's vocal work on this. I don't think he was necessarily the best vocalist or the best lyricist. I think he was heavily influenced by John. I remember him saying in an interview that John was his favorite screamer lyrically and sonically. And anyone who reads John Mess lyrics knows that they're fucking insane. But I think he really kind of tapped into that and then did his own thing, evident in the rapping that then popped up again and again throughout their remaining discography. So... I can't really decide if John Mess's absence from this is a blessing or a curse. You know, on one hand, you only have to use screaming sparingly. But on the other hand, you've got one person having to steer the ship in Kurt Travis. And that was ultimately pretty tiresome. You know, we heard right at the top of the show in the cold open just how much he underestimated those shoes he had to fill in Johnny Craig. So while he had songs that sounded as dope as this... He still had to replace Johnny Craig. He still had to come after that guy. He still had to stand up there front and center in this kind of renowned band, you know, renowned for drama, infamous, if you will, you know, kind of at a pretty low point. It culminated in this insane record, this insanely unique record. And I'm just so happy that you found happiness this week. Nick. <laughs> Thank you, man. I really did. I, I would probably say it was almost a, a five to one split on listening to happiness over self-titled. I just couldn't 
go back to self-titled. I, I did them in order. And once I'd listened to Happiness once, I just couldn't stop, man. I just wanted to listen to it again and again and again, constantly hearing new things that I didn't pick up on on the first few listens. And I'm really, really excited to listen to the instrumental version as well, because although I'm absolutely loving Kurt Travis and loving Will Swan, like it is the music really at the heart that is Dance Gavin Dance and why they're so fucking cool and so good. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to listening to those instrumental versions and i just love that the band do that and offer that for the fans because it's not fucking hard to do they've got the raw tracks you know you strip out the the vocals and here's the the music but very little very few bands i think are ever offering this sort of shit to fans it's really awesome they're a very fan-centric band they do a lot for the fans whether it's the tree city sessions records whether it's these instrumentals whether it's you know the array of merch they do and all the interaction in their own festival they're very fan-centered they always have been and that's why it's always so great to hear from people who love the band so let's take a moment to hear from michael right now hey i'm michael from Turtlock, California, about an hour south of Sacramento, DGD's hometown. And the Happiness album is probably my favorite album just because of where I was at in my life. It dropped on my 18th birthday, June 9th, 2009, and it was just a special part of my life. I love everything about it, front to back listen. My favorite song with Kurt is probably Carl Baker, but it's a very tough choice. I love the album front to back. But it's very hard to say what my favorite DGD album is. But Happiness definitely holds a very special part in my heart. And I'll love it forever. Rest in peace, Tim. I think Michael described it really well there, where it's really hard to pick your favorite Dance Gavin Dance album. But there's different feelings and emotions attached to them. You know, for him, it came out on his 18th birthday and it was really special. And it's not too far off its 13th birthday, given the date. But for me, it was the exact opposite where the time and place didn't match, you know, going through a breakup myself. I was like, nah, I don't want any part of this. No, sorry, next. And Michael mentioned RIP Tim at the end. There's no way to really do this show without mentioning the passing of bassist Tim Ferrick, who died in April of this year. Tim was not a recording member of Dance Gavin Dance during the Kurt Travis era of the band, but actually became their live bass player during this era. So many of the live clips featuring Kurt actually have a very young Tim Ferrick in the background. So despite not recording, his legacy is still very much a part of this era. And it would be remiss of us to do an episode about Dance Gavin Dance without taking a moment just to honor his memory as an incredibly essential part of this band. While he was not on these records themselves, he certainly was bringing them to life live. He's the bass player that you and I saw in the Kurt Travis era. So very much an important member of this band and not someone we can forget about when talking about this band. Yeah, for sure, man. Like, And this is a band that I said before actually give a shit about bass and what they write. So full credit to the guy for doing such a good job. And yeah, it's sad to, sad to have heard that he's, uh, he's no longer with us. So as Michael said, RIP Tim. Big love to everyone in the Dance Gavin Dance family, to his family, to the band members. It's obviously a terrible, terrible loss. Let's have a little change of pace now. Are you interested in playing a game, Nick? I always am. Let's do it. The first thing I say in the morning is quiz that Nick. People are puzzled and tired of quiz that Nick We'll have some fun with these questions, I'll tell you this 
Shout out to Digital John Mess there for providing the vocals on that one. <laughs> oh, give me some little, little chills there, being sung to. A little serenade. <laughs> Bloody lovely. Little song for you there, mate. I really overcommitted all those weeks ago when I started doing these novelty <laughs> quiz intros. It's, it's getting harder and harder. You've dug that hole for with... yourself now, man. You are deep in it. <laughs> oh, man. And that's the thing. Every week I'm just like, nah, I'm, I'm going to give up this week. And then nah, I can't do it. You know, the 48 people that listen a week, they need us, man. They need it, man. I fucking love it. <laughs> I need it. The one person on the other end of this uh, chat needs it. Well, we are talking about the Kurt Travis years of dance, Gavin Dance. And I thought for our game this week, it would be in two parts. The first part's a bit of standard Dance, Gavin Dance, Kurt Travis era trivia, which there'll be five questions in which you can score five points. And then there's a little bonus round, not necessarily a point scoring round, but one where we'll put some things head to head. So how does that sound to you? I like it. Let's do it, man. Excellent. All right. Question one of the Kurt Travis trivia. Which Dance Gavin Dance alumni did Kurt Travis play guitar for on their solo tour in 2012? Was it Tillian Pearson, Andrew Wells, or Johnny Craig? Okay, so it's one of those three solo tour, and then Kurt played guitar on that tour. That's right. That's cool. correct. Um, you have to help me. Who I don't think I know who Andrew Wells is. Who's Andrew Wells? Andrew Wells is the lead singer of Idola, who in 2015 became the touring guitarist for Dance Gavin Dance, and only just this year became an official member, much to the delight of fans all over the world. He is like the Jordan Fish of this band. Like his addition brought a whole other layer to their songwriting and their vocal contributions. So when we get to the Tillian years, my friend, you'll know all about my crush on Andrew Wells. Oh, cool. Looking forward to that for sure. So here we go. All right. Um, I'm going to think, look, Kurt came in just after Johnny. And I definitely know that Johnny's had, he's had a solo career and has toured at times solo. So for this one, I think I'm just going to go the guy I know best and say that maybe they were buds somehow and he played guitar on Johnny Craig's tour. That is correct. Well done. Kurt Travis did indeed play guitar on Johnny's solo tour after he was kicked out of Dance Gavin Dance for the second time. So it was quite funny to see these two ex-vocalists of Dance Gavin Dance playing together on some of the same stages they would have played as Dance Gavin Dance on. <laughs> yeah, fucking weird, but really cool that they were able to make that work. <laughs> All right, question two. In addition to an illustrious musical career as a performer, what is Kurt Travis's side hustle? Is it producing band merchandise? Or is it being a record label boss? Or is it both? Oh, okay. Um done a fair bit of other musical stuff so i'm not sure if both uh i reckon i'm gonna go record label boss i reckon he seems like a guy that's probably far more musically talented than even just this dance gavin dance stuff gives him credit for so let me lock in record label boss Sadly, that is incorrect. While it is one of the things he does, he is also a producer of band merch. So he is hooking oh, people up Oh, he's good. both, man. There you go. He's got his record label-esque records, and then he's got Big Wave Media, which produces the band merch. So a pretty stand-up guy helping out the little guy. 
Yeah, that's fucking cool, man. This guy, this guy's solid. He's he's an amazing musician, and then just a bit of a boss when it comes to the industry in general. Fucking hats off, Kurt. Question three: True or false? The song title "Don't Tell Dave" came from a woman who hooked up with both of Dance Gavin Dance's merch guys, one of which was named Dave. She told the band, "Don't tell Dave I slept with the other merch guy." Um. All right, I I think I just I can't help it. He he's just gotten in my head. But whenever there's a a true or false question, we've always got to go true, yeah, and just hope that the story's correct. So lock me in a true, please. Shout out to Dana's logic. It is correct. It is true. Hey. All right, doing well, doing well. Question four: After Kurt Travis was kicked out of Dance Gavin Dance, which band did he try out for, become a member of, and then ultimately declined the role in? Was it Of Mice and Men, Emerosa, or The Devil Wears Prada? Oh, interesting. Okay, I think I have to knock out The Devil Wears Prada because I just I haven't listened to a lot of them, but I think they're pretty heavy, and I'm not sure Kurt is fitting into that band. I don't know how much clean vocals they have. Of Mice and Men and Emerosa. Fuck, Emerosa would just tie in this whole awkward, weird almost like odd family tie shit that is this band and everything that comes with them. So I sort of really want to lock in Emerosa and just hope it's right. So let's do that. I'm locking in Emerosa and hoping it's right. Interestingly, Emerosa asked him to join, but he declined immediately. He said, I'm not fucking doing that. I'm not replacing Johnny Craig again. again. <laughs> so they, they did ask him, but he didn't join. Okay. However, of Mice and Men recruited him to the band. He tried out. He was asked to join. They paid for a plane ticket. And the night before he was supposed to go, he couldn't sleep. And he called them up the next day and declined the offer. So he had been recruited. He had tried out. He joined the band and then opted out. And it would have been really, really interesting because Aaron Pauly ultimately came into the band in the role that Kurt would have done. He is now the lead vocalist of Mice and Men. So they've gone a different direction. It would have been really interesting to see the direction they went if Kurt Travis joined, if they'd still even be a band today, and how that would affect his hundred other projects. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes, very, very close to the trajectory of Mice and Men being very different to what it is today. Yeah, it's it's cool. I doubt that he would have stayed even if he decided to join them properly at all that he would have stayed in that long this guy really seems like someone who i don't know not necessarily gets bored quickly but just wants to move on to the next thing and try the next thing and never get kind of stuck being stagnant so this guy's a, a bit everywhere and i'm sure his name's going to pop up again as we do this podcast all right question five this is the last of the kurt trivia who was kurt travis up against for the job of lead vocalist in dance gavin dance Callan Quinn from Sleeping with Sirens, Tillian Pearson from Tides of Man, or Cove Reba from Sayerson. Okay, so th this was for that self-titled album. This was to replace Johnny, who were the other people they were considering. Exactly. Yeah. I love that this stuff's out there. I love that people have documented that these were the other people that were contacted and ultimately Kurt Travis was picked. Like, that's fucking cool. I reckon a lot of time you wouldn't know the kind of back end of, I guess, the, uh, the audition process. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to knock out Tillian because he does then come into the band after Kurt. So I feel like if they were considering him then and didn't pick him, uh, maybe they're not going back there. Kovareeb is an interesting one. This guy has floated about and helped out a lot of bands as well as his time in Sayus and obviously, but, you know, even fill-in vocalist, 
so it doesn't surprise me that he was maybe up for it. And then Callan Quinn. I don't know Callan Quinn personally that well, but I do know Sleeping with Sirens. So, uh, look, my gut has failed me so far on most of these, so I'm going to pick the guy I don't know, Callan Quinn. Good work, Skinny Nick. That is correct. Well done, not trusting your gut. It was indeed <laughs> Callan Quinn who was trying out in tandem with Kurt. And basically the band kind of had them right at the same time trying to pick one or the other. And they put to Callan and Kurt, hey, can you, you know, write a song for us? And Kurt basically kind of called their bluff and said, if you want me to write a song for you, you need to put me in the band. And ultimately that's what they did. But we do have a little taste of what Callan wrote. And it's an alternate version of Uneasy Hearts Way the Most. And we'll just take a little listen to that now. Another day, another week, another month I've been gone so long Home seems good to me You see what I see, constant faces Empty spaces, filling holes With the songs that I sing The whole thing is on YouTube And let's just say I'm really glad That version of Dance Gavin Dance Didn't come to fruition Man, that would have been An incredibly different shift for the band like not to say that guy can't sing he's got some sweet pipes and that's that's that sounded quite nice to me on on this end but uh not with dance given dance at all i think it needs to be that the, the guy in a, an acoustic guitar fine go go for your life you can sing all right but nah i reckon that would have been a hot mess man that would have been someone trying to be that big bright shining star on a band that already has it fucking covered Oh, exactly. And we're really grateful to have the web presence of former guitarist Zachary Garin because a lot of this stuff exists because Zachary Garin posts them on YouTube. He did when he was in the band and he still does to this day, which is really great. And he is still loosely affiliated to the band, having his band Strawberry Girls support Dance Gavin Dance on occasion and also being an occasional contributor because Happiness and Self-Titled both featured Zach Garin on guitars, but after he was removed from the band, basically Will Swan started doing a lot of the guitars himself and it wasn't until Andrew Wells came much later that he started to share that. There are the odd contributions, but again, to praise Will Swan, after Zach Garren was out, he was just like, I'm doing it all. And, <laughs> I mean, he did a pretty amazing job. But now it's time for a little bonus round. Let's go. Head to head. All right, Nick, very graciously this week, you did a little bit of homework. I wanted to kind of put to you these varying versions of Dance Gavin Dance songs to see just what your thoughts are. You know, do you have a preference of vocalist? Do you think that this is cool or not cool? Because basically we've got the Kurt Travis versions of these songs and then we've also got the Tree City Sessions versions of these songs. And this is where Dance Gavin Dance essentially do live recordings of older songs to give the fans a bit of a taste of what they're going to sound like now. I own both these records. When I talk to people about it, they have mixed reactions to the band's approach to that. Like on one hand, it is pretty strange that they go and re-record these old songs with new vocalists, but at the same time, it's great fan service. So I asked you to kind of go and check out some songs, check out some videos, and we're going to put some things head to head to see what your reaction is. So first I need to check, did you do your homework? I did, man. I was a very good student. I, I did my homework. Luckily for me, these were generally songs from Happiness that were then being pitched against the newer version from the you know Tree City Sessions. So, and having listened to the full album about five times this week, 
uh, half my homework was already done. So uh, that was good. But yeah, no, did the homework, enjoyed kind of listening to a few alternate versions of some of these um, some of these tracks. So first I'm going to play a little snippet of Carl Barker from Happiness in 2009 featuring Kurt Travis on vocals. So that's Kurt there. I'm now going to play the exact same section with Tilly and Pearson on vocals from Tree City Sessions in 2016. So Skinny Nick, putting these two head to head, I've got to know what your thoughts are. You know, you're, you're the outsider. You don't have anything at stake here. Hearing this Kurt Travis version up against this Tillian Pearson version, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so the cool thing about this uh, straight up was I have not listened to a single new thing from Dance Gavin Dance. So this is from my from my memory, I guess, like, you know, listening to Tillian for the first time in a recorded kind of sense. Like, I hadn't listened to him a lot before. So this was my kind of initial reactions even to him recorded. So I don't know it's a live recording, but it's a very fucking good live recording. Like, yeah. let's give him that. It's been mixed and mastered and everything. So love, love Kurt on uh, Happiness and Carl Barker is one of the best songs on that album. Hearing Tillian for the first time, got to just say straight up for this song, it's Kurt for me. I love Kurt. Not the biggest fan of Tillian's voice, I don't think. Not so much on this song anyway. Love Will's um, screams on the song in general. Uh, it's fucking sick. And there's another one of those songs on the album that at times gives me that Anthony Green Circus of Vibe vibe, which I love all throughout Happiness. But yeah, got to give it to Kurt's version. And uh, yeah, just think he's a little bit more powerful, I guess, on that higher register. So for me, it's Kurt. It's the recorded Happiness version. I, I don't. I don't really know your vibes on... Kurt V. Tillian, I've got a feeling you're way more of a Tillian fan just because even Happiness is your least favorite Dance Gavin Dance album. But yeah, that's my thoughts. Head to head, give it to Kurt. I think Tillian came in and did an exceptional job of singing songs that Kurt Travis couldn't sing live. But when you're listening to a recording, I want to hear the guy who wrote that song. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. It's you going head to head though, so I'm not going to give you any more than that. The next one we're going to take a little listen to is the song NASA, which is again off Happiness in 2009. This version has Kurt and Will doing vocals. And now we have Tillian and John doing the same song on Tree City Sessions 2 in 2020. So this time we've got both vocalists, Kurt and Will versus Tillian and John. What's your pick? Yeah, man. Well, firstly, just absolutely fucking love this song. NASA is one of the top songs from Happiness. It's fucking amazing. Uh, the guitars are sick. Like it being a guitarist, I just, I don't get it. I wish I could play guitar well. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh man. So yeah, Will Will screams, as I said, on Happiness are awesome. And he does a great job again on nasa but 
it had been a little while now since I'd heard John and he'd been out of the band for happiness. And I reckon, I, I, I am incredibly impressed with his performance and his ability to continue to improve as a screamer. He's, this is a, I know a very well done, but this is still a live version. And John's screams are fucking amazing. I love it. Like I, it's so fucking rich. It's so good. And uh, so this one was hard because I think definitely John trumping Will on the screaming side of things for this song. But again, I've just got to go to Kurt for the for the cleans. I just like Kurt's voice more. I think this is what it's what it's becoming like. So Kurt trumps Tillian, John trumps Will. Uh, but I think if I just had to pick one again, I'm probably going to go the original Kurt and Will version. Although I really did enjoy listening to John scream again. Ever the diplomat, and still you're going to make the diehard fans of happiness incredibly happy with your preferences so far. (laughs) I love this, man. Here I am just so chuffed, for the lack of a better word, (laughs) that you're stoked on Kurt Travis. Oh, man, he's he's rad and that album's fucking rad. Awesome. Well, here comes the ultimate test in our head-to-head. We've got the song Powder to the People, which is my favorite from Happiness. I asked you to watch some live versions on YouTube. So we've got 2009 Kurt and Will version when there's just five of them in the band. Then we've got 2011, Tillian's first show. So you're not too far apart from each other. So let's take a little listen to the Curtain Will version now. So that was Kurt there. Let's take a little listen to Tillian at his first show in Dance Gavin Dance. So skinny Nick, head to head live versions. What are your thoughts? Yeah, weirdly, I think this is where you pick up how different these two singers are the most. Like, even just on the final line uh, of that kind of verse or, or chorus or whatever part of the song it is that we're listening, Tillian hitting an entirely different note. I don't think Kurt would even ever attempt to go there. He doesn't really step outside of his comfort zone too much. Uh, so I think just, firstly, the quality, just the absolute sound quality of the Curtain Will version is pretty shit. It is 2009. Uh, and full, got to give a lot of credit to Tillian. First ever show, and he's out there, you know, trying to hit these very difficult notes and, and fitting into a band that's not just a straightforward band. There's a lot fucking going on. Loved watching John try something a little different with some slightly clean vocals uh, in his clip with Tillian. That's fucking fun. That's cool. He's so great to watch, man. Like, I can't get enough of watching John live. He's so cool. And I think, like, when it comes to being... The Ultimate Diplomat, this is the one where I wanted a combo, man. I, d- I wanted Will, John, and Kurt. I wanted Will, John, and Kurt. I'm sorry again, Tillian. Like, it's not that I don't It's not that I don't like him. I just I haven't been able to warm to him being the singer yet. I guess I've had Johnny Craig, which was just so comfortable and easy because I knew that guy already, had a whole week to get into Kurt Travis and really have enjoyed it and really like that guy. Tillian, I think I'm, I'm just going to need a bit more time to find out a bit who this guy is and what he's doing. So, yeah, I'm going the hybrid, but I guess if I absolutely had to pick, I'm just going to go the the Curtain Wheel vocal version, but would have loved to see 
a Will, John and Kurt version. That would have been fucking cool. And this is where I'm drawing the line from you. I love the Tillian version. That note that he hits, that different <laughs> note, the fact that he can actually sing the song live, I'm all about Tillian. And I think you and I have got to get together and watch Tree City Sessions too and you might become a changed man. Or, you know, not a changed man, but you might start to see some of the uh, perks of Tillian. Because if you hear Man of the Year or Evaporate and don't, want to go to the church and dance gavin dance and maybe we won't be friends anymore <laughs> <laughs> well maybe we can just you know be friends in certain eras of the band we'll see like uh, <laughs> it's gonna be very interesting when we get to the tillian stuff because yeah so far i'm not sold and i don't i just don't quite get it i don't think but there's a lot obviously to listen to and a lot to take in and most of what i've heard was just that kind of stuff there so live versions early on in his time in the band uh the guys obviously then created a, a real legacy and been an absolute standout on all their future records since so uh very keen to hear that kind of stuff and and whether he whether i warm to him or not we shall see well that was a nice little head-to-head there there's no points to gain from that but it was really good to get an idea of your perspective on those i think it's a good comparison to do it's a pointless comparison to do because there is no unequivocal way to decide who is the most talented who is the most important who is the best vocalist it's all subjective you might be able to say johnny cray's got a different register or is more soulful than one or the other tillian's got more raw talent i don't know you could say all these things but i don't think anyone needs to settle on one ideal because we've got this band with such a broad discography and i think that's really really special well on that note i think it's really important that we listen to another contribution uh from reese this time Thanks very much for getting in touch. Let's hear what Reese has to say when it comes to this great band, Dance Gavin Dance. Hello, I'm Reese from Tree Village. Kurt Travis is easily my favorite clean vocalist Dance Gavin Dance has ever had. Now, why is that exactly? What makes Kurt so special compared to Tillian or Johnny? What makes Kurt unparalleled for me is his songwriting capabilities. He has a very collaborative writing style that always synergizes perfectly with the rest of the elements of the song whether it be other vocalists or even the instrumentals. His lyricism seemed to always match up with the unclean vocals, which was really refreshing to hear, especially since DVM was mostly just random nonsense. I could go into detail about every song he worked on with the band, but my favorite has to be Carl Barker. It's a fan favorite for a reason. Kurt's dramatic vocal style is woven perfectly with the themes of loneliness and abandonment. A line like, Talking consumption and giggles might sound a bit cheesy on paper, but Kurt's delivery is genuinely heartfelt. It's certainly a shame Kurt got kicked out for his poor life performances, but considering it led to a lot like Birds and Royal Coda, which for me personally are everything I wanted of Dance Gavin Dance and then some, I don't mind his departure at all. Thank you so much for that, Reese. And I think that was the a point I kind of briefly made earlier, but just put together better from uh, probably a clear more diehard fan there in Reese, but just that ability that Kurt has to just fit nicely and sweetly in this band and not do too much, not do too little, just be cohesive and know his role. I fully, fully agree with what Reese had to say there. And yeah, I think there's, we've just heard three contributions, people that generally really like Kurt Travis and really like the happiness album. And so I think as you've found out, even who would have thought you would even have more to learn or to find out about this band but maybe uh, maybe happiness isn't your weakest album maybe it will end up moving up the ranks who knows man it's a fucking cool album well now i've got the nice memories of your love for it attached to it so i don't have to think about that breakup <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it 
Well, the, the last time I saw this band, we saw them together, man, and it was kind of where it seemed like they were on their last legs. Now, that might sound weird to say because this band probably have had 10 or 20 times <laughs> when they could have been on their last legs, but somehow just continue to, to put out new shit and find a way through whatever the hell, you know, controversy or anything's following them at the time, member changes and others. So what kind of happened to the band around that time when we saw them? I still remember the last episode we did and, and your summation of that live show was like, well, I guess Paul and I are into pretty different things then. And <laughs> that live performance was terrible. You know, that that was me trying to love the first time I've ever seen my favorite band. You know, the first time they've come to Australia. And boy, was it depressing. About a month before they came to Australia, they kicked Zach Garren out of the band, the other guitarist. And they were like, no, nah, we're still coming to Australia. We're still doing our tours. And videos started to emerge just before they came of just how weak the band was as a four-piece. You've got Tim Ferrick, the bass player, trying to do, you know, rhythm, guitar, and bass, basically. You know, song intros like Alex English that is clearly a guitar intro now on bass. Other things with, like, Kurt Travis doodling on a piano. And it was just grim, man. By all accounts, he was smoking way too much. He was affecting his voice. There was just no vibe. It looked like four miserable dudes. You know, Will was working his ass off, screaming, noodling, rapping. You know, now the only guitarist. Tim's carrying the weight of these bass lines he didn't even write. Matt Mingus, who's an incredible drummer, is up the back. And you've got Kurt just straining his voice. And you've also got the vocalist of a prominent Melbourne metalcore band next to me, air drumming and air guitaring the entire set. <laughs> but we've spoken about that before. We'll leave that in the past. It was just, it was a real shame to see, man. It was honestly the band at their worst, I truly think. And I'm not sure how many people would have seen it because it was these kind of scattered tours. It was the Australian, New Zealand sound wave and things like that that showed the decline of this band faster than perhaps the nightclubs in, in America did. But it was disappointing, but boy, was it exciting when Johnny Craig came back, for me anyway. And if you want to hear about him coming back for the second time and then being kicked out for the second time, <laughs> make sure you go check out episode 32 because we don't need to talk about Johnny Craig. We just need to give Kurt Travis a mad shout out. He popped up again on Dance Gavin Dance's Artificial Selection in 2018 on an incredibly underrated song called Shelf Life. And as has been mentioned in the intro and by some of our listeners, he's got such an expanse of great musical projects. And I highly recommend people go listen to Royal Coda, which is his band with Will Swan. So make sure you go check that one out. They are incredible. They've got um, some really excellent music and you really hear Kurt Travis coming into his own in his later projects. Projects that just made a bit more sense for his voice than Dance Gavin Dance did. I will definitely be someone who will be checking that out because I'm a, I'm a big fan of what he's doing in Dance Gavin Dance. So if there's b even potentially better versions of, of Kurt, give it to me, man. I'll be checking out that new ship for sure. I'm getting that for sure. Well, there's a guitarist in Royal Coda named Sergio Medina, and he is in Idola with Andrew Wells. He's played bass in place of Tim Ferrick for this tour, and he's the guitarist in Royal Coda along with Will Swan. I think that's a dude you're going to really enjoy listening to. So you've got some more homework out of this one. I've got some joy that you love happiness and you've got more and more bands to go and explore. <laughs> Man, it's good because I haven't had a lot of new music to listen to. You know, since we've been doing this podcast, my weeks are taken up with obviously listening to the band we're covering that week. And for the most part, they're bands that I already know reasonably well. But 
Dance Gavin Dance are a bit of an anonymous and not fuck. <laughs> this stays in. <laughs> it is late, man. This is the, fucking a day. The listeners, the oh. listeners have no concept of what Violence and Sunshine up late means because when they listen to it is when oh, they listen to it. But God. we generally record this show early mornings when we're fresh and this is a very late show after a long day at work for both of us. So forgive us, y'all. Yeah, a little bit tongue-tied. I'm not even going to bother trying to <laughs> fucking say it again, man. Oh, it's a bit dude. of an anomaly. Uh, that's it. The word you just said. Insert. You can edit. Edit you saying it. Mr. Black. Tried to say. <laughs> oh, man. Let's, uh, let's continue on. Let's get going. Whew. Well, now as we're losing it, I think it's time we hear from Greblo. This is Shinfo with Greblo. Dance, Gavin, dance, ep two. Going to be a tough sell for the guy who told me he didn't like Dance, Gavin, Dance, Ep 1. But uh, I figured it out, right? Dance, Gavin, Dance, uh, the Bendigo Skate Park. Yeah, if you haven't been, let me paint a picture. What it is, it's a small quarter pipe, right? Followed by uh, a bit of a steep, bit of a higher fun box than your average fun box. If you don't know what a fun box is, it's a ramp going up, then it's a bit of a flat space, and then a ramp going down. And uh, opposite to the fun box is a bigger quarter pipe, right? Now, Dance Gavin Dance, that first quarter pipe, that's the that's what we've already talked about. That's Dance Gavin Dance F- F1, you know? And uh, it, it's a bit of fun, right? You drop in there, all good, rolling up. But it doesn't actually give you enough momentum to get you over that fun box, which is the middle part, F2. Did I say this? Dance Gavin Dance, the, the big quarter is Dance Gavin Dance F3, right? So you got to get over this. It, it's hard, you know. Like you can't. You got to push yourself, you, which you shouldn't have to do. If you've dropped in, you should have enough momentum. But in this case, the Bendigo cancelled. They stuffed up. You got to give yourself a little bit of a kick to get up onto that fun box. And if you're up there, you're not having a good time because you're going slow. But then you hit that big quarter pipe, and the first two uh, obstacles haven't really given you enough momentum to really have any fun on the big quarter pipe either. However, what you can do. You can drop in on the big quarter pipe first. Dance, Gavin, Dance, Ep 3. That's what Ashley did. Drop in there. Oh, you are going to fly over that fun box so well. And you'll get to the small quarter and, hey, do what you want. 50-50 grind? How are you? You're having a good time. There is a guy to the side of the skate park. We call him Croc Hunter. But in this case, we'll call him Paul, who says, you're doing it wrong. And you go, mate, I can just skate around the fun box. <laughs> Man, honestly, Greblo has just been waiting for us to cover Tillian since we did Johnny Craig and now Kurt Travis. But what has come to fruition now that I realize is we may need to get him in as as a full member for the Tillian episode because the three of us are all these different eras. Like I'm a Johnny guy, you're a Kurt guy, and he's diehard Tillian. Well, not diehard Tillian, but he just seems to want to remind us that the Tillian era exists while we're desperately trying to explore the history. But I'm sure international listeners are well and truly lost, but those who have been to the Bendigo Skate Park can probably relate. Yeah, they can relate. And uh, you even in this episode, I think, have... uh... I don't think you are the croc man or the croc hunter or whatever. You yourself said, you know, this is a band where you can jump in where you want. There's something for everyone. Find out which part of this band is for you and enjoy it, which is skating around the fun box and just having a good time. So there it is. I think uh, I'm no croc hunter after all. 
This is reptilian evolution at its peak. Yeah, yeah. We've all come together and fuck, doing that episode with the three of us would be either a lot of fun or we'd all just be fucking trying to convince the other one that they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent contribution from Grablo. As always, we really appreciate your thoughts, whether we agree with them or not and whether the listener understands them or not. <laughs> that sums up Shimfo, man. Fucking hell. Oh, dude. Well, it is getting late and we have discussed a lot about this beautiful band and this great era that is the Kurt Travis era. This is really your band though, man. This is your favorite kind of band. And uh, I just want to leave you, if you have any final thoughts, now's your time. Let the listener know of them. So happy that my best mate now loves Dance Gavin Dance's happiness. I'm so stoked about that. I think that's incredible. Kurt Travis is a really good dude. He is an exceptional singer, despite the rocky years in Dance Gavin Dance and the bad live performances, they are not at all representative of who he is now. And full credit to that guy for persevering because the toxicity that surrounded his time in Dance Gavin Dance, his time after, could really, really get to a person. And good on him for persevering and being a way bigger man than Johnny Craig could ever claim that he is. So mad love, love all the Dance Gavin Dance fans, love the fans of Happiness, love the fans of Royal Ocean, love the fans of Mothership. Whatever you want to listen to, there is something for most. Something for most for sure, man. And for me at this stage, you know, I know my Dance Gavin Dance journey still has a bit of a way to go, but it is Happiness probably leading the way as my favorite album and really fucking enjoyed listening to that this week. So... That's really it this week for the Vance and Sunshine podcast. But just like me finding some new music this week that's given me a lot of joy, I highly recommend you do the same thing, whether it's this album or this band or any other band we've covered. You know, listen to something new. Try something a bit outside your usual listening and, um, you know, just put on a new album, either one we've mentioned or one that a friend's mentioned, and and try something new. You might surprise yourself. But um, as always, check us out on Instagram at violence and sunshine really appreciate everyone that's been giving us a five-star rating on the various platforms that they're picking up the pod from subscribe if you haven't already and keep spreading the word tell all your friends about what we're doing we're loving it and really enjoy hearing people that are loving what we're doing thank you so much for listening and thank you to our contributors reese cameron and michael we're also really grateful for the support we've received on the dance gavin dance subreddit including the great response to our johnny craig episode as well as even our emma rosa episode which really dives into the whole macbook saga so if you are a new listener to the show we've covered both dance gavin dance johnny craig years and emma rosa which really connects nicely into this little ongoing saga a big thank you to greblo as always and we'll be back next week when we'll be exploring the receiving end of sirens i'm paul and i'm nick you should have listened to your friends we would have been over this by now over this by now there he is over this by now did i surprise you a bit mate